Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. Is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Luscious Black is in the house. <laughs> it's, it's starting to grow on me. Not going to lie. Big it's Rach, all, we already all, know where that, where that resonates with the folks, but... It already it already has grown on everyone. Everyone is into the new crazies in the higher learning world. They and are. Luscious Black is a distant second to the latest craze, the latest name that's sweeping the fandom, which I told you guys it would. Donnie's sweet booty Beecham. Donnie, how are you feeling about it? Um, it did. It had quite a few tweets. It might have been trending at one point. I don't know. I'm not on the Twitter sphere enough. But how are you feeling? Have you resonated yet with Sweet Booty? Yeah, I think by Is the your end, wife calling you she actually, yeah, she <laughs> approves of it. She was like, you know what? That I like that. It fits and it sounds good. And I was like, all right, that's too much. But I don't know. I it's uh, it's it's coming along on me. The alliteration, I feel like, is hard to deny. But damn. Y'all were blowing up my mentions with this sweet booty business. And it's it grew on me, uh, to be honest. You're right about the last name. Because Beecham is such a good name. Thank you. And sweet booty would be nothing without the Beecham. <laughs> I appreciate it. My my dad and my granddad, <laughs> my forebears, they they appreciate it too. <laughs> I'm so sure they wouldn't appreciate right the name. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Like, it's not even, it's not even, it's not even like, up for conversation, what a hit the Swiss, <laughs> Swiss, Swiss, Swiss sweet booty is. Okay, it's not even up for conversation. It's a hit. I'm gonna have a, as soon as we find out what Ashley's nickname is. Okay, it's got to be shirts, Big Rach, Luscious Black, Chloe the Alien, Donnie Sweet Booty Beecham, and we just we Ashley. We got to get Ashley. We got to. Which we, there's been a couple of things that have been milling around, jumping around, but Ashley needs her nickname as well. It's got to happen. You guys, think of a nickname for Ashley out there. Okay, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Give him her last name because it might be a like a sweet booty Beecham situation here. Ashley Smith. It's Ashley Smith. Ashley Smith. That's the nicknames. High learning's ready to go. Rachel, what'd you do? What'd you do this weekend? What'd you do? Um, well, I've had quite an eventful weekend. My voice came back, thank God. You know how that goes. I've been pretty good with that lately. I was in Vegas. 24 hours in Vegas for the summer league and the surrounding events. Um, went to a couple of games, and by that I mean a quarter each. I ran into my high school ex-boyfriend. How about that? I hadn't seen him in years. Interesting. Black, Who is this by person? the way. For the for those for those person? wondering. Who is he? His name's Brandon Bradford. Hmm. So what was his life? Yeah, what I happened? His name. Oh God. <laughs> I like Donnie, I don't know why I set myself up for these situations, but it was interesting. We haven't seen somebody like that in years. Okay, so we dated. I was a junior. He was a senior. And he went to Howard. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, you're not going to Howard. I applied to Howard. I got into Howard. They were like, you're not following your boyfriend to Howard. 
So that was a dream deferred. And then I went to, I ended up going to UT, but we broke up the summer before because he felt like I should go into college single. He's like, I don't want you to go into college having a boyfriend. I think you should get the full experience. I agree. This is great. Right. You know, he's like, if, it, if, you, if it's meant to be, you'll come back to each other. I had a boyfriend right. in three months. Right. Another one. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy, though, that that nigga just basically went, yo, I want to go hit hoes in D.C. <laughs> basically, basically. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but it's he like, didn't it's, the first year. If he didn't do it the first year, fine. We were together his first year of college. Yeah. He's, he was like, you know, you going to college, man. I've been out here. I'll never forget. <laughs> I watched Gino and his then girl get into an argument over a guy named Reggie Torbor. Reggie was uh, a football player at Lehigh. He went on to play. In the NFL, he went to Auburn. Oh. And I remember. Okay. Yeah, Reggie. Reggie was a beast, man. Huge head, big hands. You could just tell that he was a different species from Reggie was a dog. Okay. And so, I, you know, I come back. I'm like, yo, man, what happened to Reg? Where, where, where did Reg end up going? Cause I didn't, I didn't realize that he had gone to Auburn. I was like, where's Reggie at, man? I was like, he didn't go to LSU. And Gino went, nah, and they get hitting hoes in Alabama. And, Shayla's friend was Reggie's girlfriend. And then they got into an argument. Why would you say that? Why would you say that Gino was like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> so when Gino gets here for the Summit of the Sexes. I was just about to say, Gino, who will be there next Monday for the Summit of the Sexes, bringing that kind of energy. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so you saw this guy. Was this, I mean, what? This is, why is not this the story. Why, I mean, what's huh? that? I'm saying, why is this notable? Like, why, why, why did you bring this up? I'm telling what happened the weekend. I'm saying something interesting that happened. You're the one who started mm -hmm. taking it on and asking me all these questions. I thought it was cool. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen him. I was like, Katie, look, it's my ex-boyfriend. I haven't seen him in years. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I just got to be real with you. The Here story that you just told, if I told that story, I would get in trouble. I told Brian I saw him. I know, but if I ran into an ex-girlfriend and I was on the podcast talking about this is why we broke up and all of this stuff, you kind of looked up into the air when you were telling the story, I would get in trouble. I just want to let you know. So I'm 38, and uh -huh. that was when I was 18. If you got a problem, something that was 20 years ago, this is a different issue. And remember... Is he fat now? I don't know he if I said wait. this before, but like we never even took it that we were literally like innocent. That's probably why he broke up with me too. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't put now back in AC. <laughs> oh, so then that's that's what. See, you buried the lead. Obviously, he was like, so you know we what? Yeah, it, we never had. <laughs> so we didn't have that relationship. So I feel like he's even more innocent. It's like whatever. So you ran into a, a high school boyfriend. That dude was a pimp. That dude had been up here a year, <laughs> and he was going to school, and he was like, you know what, man. I don't think you need to be tied down. What he was really trying to say is these Howard girls is lit. I'm not going back. Too. I'm not going back to celibacy. But Jabril <laughs> was like, uh, I remember Jabril came back from California. Jabril, Jabril's like, yo, you got a girlfriend van? I was like, yeah, you talking about it. He was like, um, I mean, do y'all have sex? And I was like, nah, we don't have sex. He was like, 
I won't date a girl. This is the first guy that ever said this. We were, I think we were 15, 16, something like that. Jabril's like, I won't date a girl that won't have sex with me. And I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, I'm not tired. He's like, I'm not taking a vow of celibacy for none of these girls. And I was like, oh, shit, for real. <laughs> so toxic. I um, appreciate I, being straight up. Yeah, I uh, I made new rules for myself this weekend. Would you like to hear them? Yes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So I went to, I saw him, went to the games. Went to like an MBPA event, went to a clutch party, went to Fanatics party, got an hour and a half of sleep, flew to Charleston, which is where I am now with uh, Brian's family. In these streets. <laughs> Networking. In these Net streets. Working. How dare you be out there in these streets that pull up on this man and his family smelling his family? Like tequila? <laughs> And NBA players, like how dare, like how dare you? Because I be walked out in with this little thing, and it makes all the Look. difference. Mm-hmm. What are y'all doing in Charleston? Little Brownie. That's a slavery. That's a slavery place. You gotta feel it. <laughs> there's something. There's something here. We're in Folly Beach, um, which is cool. Like it's. You don't know where that is? You're frowning at me? No, you don't know? no I don't know what Folly Beach is. I didn't either, honestly. Until it's, it's, just on the wa- it's just on the water outside of Charleston. But um, his dad turns 80 this year. And so all the oh. families here, like even Brian's brother from Austria and his family. So everybody's here. It's like 15 people. And um, like we're all staying in a beach house by the beach. So it's nice. Austria? You always hear the wrong things in the story. <laughs> what about it? Nothing, man. There's some places I could go. But I don't. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Um, I've decided that I'm a. I'm serious about this. By the way, I've decided okay. that I, at my big age of 43, have to manage my care. Like self care. No. The manage oh. the things I care about. I care about too oh, many things. Okay. I try to care about too many things. Okay. I've decided I like that I only care about three things. Let's hear them. These are the things that I care about. Number one, black people. Okay. Great. I care about black people. That's the first thing that I care about. Okay. Number two. Animals. Animals, specifically dogs. I'm obsessed with dogs. Oh my gosh, mountain lion. That falls under animals, but let's be I know, but I'm just saying, you said specifically dogs. Here's the deal. That falls under animals, but here's the thing about mountain lion. Mountain lion is going to kill sometimes. You know? So... You can't always, you go to bat for mountain lion as much as you can. But Donnie, give me the sound. You go to bat for mountain lion as much as you can, but mountain lion is going to kill a couple of, a couple of people and some dogs. Mountain lion does what it has to do. Dog, where there's one breed of dog that we won't talk about that drags a toddler every, every couple of years. Um, other, other than that, you know, you got the dog want to have a fun time with you, 
want to want to love you and we got to take care of dogs okay so dogs number 3 the environment that's the list okay everything I, everything other than that everything other than that i'm just concerned with those three those are three things that i care about everything else i'm concerned can't say that i care Concerned is a care, but but those are such general topics that I feel like a lot falls within that, right? You say black people, okay, that's black family, that's mm-hmm. that's black friends, that mm-hmm. is how politics affects black people, uh, yep. current affairs, police mm-hmm. brutality, and like that. Yep. It's a lot. That's a, still a lot that you're. You are I right. I know you narrowed down the list. But that's a lot. You didn't but say, see, though. What? You didn't say MCU. You didn't say. Oh, no. See, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Like, all of that stuff, those are hobbies. Uh-huh. Those are things that I do for fun. Okay. Like, I can't. I'm not, I'm not okay. going to go to an MCU march. You know, I'm not going to. It's not going to be <laughs> well, MCU legislation. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to. Those are all those things. I mean, because look, if we started doing hobbies, I got more hobbies than any nigga. I got the most hobbies of anyone. You can't name a nigga with more hobbies than me. I'm Mr. Hobby. Wouldn't try. Okay? I got pool. I got basketball. I got boxing. I got Madden. I got MCU movie shit. I got motherfucking shooting guns. You know what I'm saying? I got I got so many different things that I'm into hobby-wise. I got distance running. You feel what I'm saying? I got hobbies, man. You do that? I, yeah, yeah, I run. I got different types of hobbies. See, that was weight related. That was weight no, related. No, it wasn't. What I, just, I knew you walked. I didn't know you do distance running. You looked at me and you were like, I wonder if he <laughs> runs like the Michelin man where he no. just gets on his side and rolls down the side. Stop doing that. Stop I, doing I that. I wondered, because you didn't, you didn't have to, you, oh, you run? I'm a boxer. Of course I run. I started running for boxing. <laughs> then I got into running. No. And you, and you tried to play me. I did I not quarterbacking. That, but I, I, excuse me? Quarterbacking? Trying to learn how to be a good quarterback? See, that might be the problem right there. What? <laughs> that might be the problem right there. You got too many things. Those, that's too, they might be hobbies. You can classify them whatever way you want. But the fact that trying to quarterback is one of them out of all those things that you name, what's the purpose of that? What do you mean, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of trying to quarterback? Well, I mean, what? look. For because what? I'll, so, so here's the deal. Can I answer? I'll answer if you allow me to, badgering the witness, uh, Rachel Lindsay. Um, I, so I like to throw the football around. But my problem is I don't like to be bad at things. So if I'm throwing the football around and then I see somebody else whipping the football, I'm like, well, how can I be better at tossing the pigskin around? And so then I said, I'm going to hire a quarterback coach. I go out there. I whip the ball around. I transfer my weight. I try to drop it in. I try to throw deep spirals. I try to throw crossing routes. You know what? You know, I don't need you to talk. I'm, How's it going? I'm about to start. 
I'm about to start cowboying again, riding again. I talked to my dad. I talked to my dad a couple of nights ago, and he was telling me, reconnect with the land. Stop caring about so many things. Pick three things to care about. You know what I mean? And so these are the three things. Black people, animals, the environment. Boom. That's it. Everything else. You go riding. I want to go. I'm I'm down for the cowboying. Thing. Do you really ride though? I mean, we ride. I feel like we ride different horses. I feel like you ride horses that. When's the last know, time you got on a horse? You don't talk to me. I rode my whole life. When's the last time you got on a horse? Last year. Oh, what kind of horse did you get on? What was it? A walking horse? What was it broken <laughs> down, crippled, decrepit? It's a country horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta get into it. Um so But I I, I can I just say I love that you're mm-hmm. doing those three things that you're that you're passionate about. Three things that you're passionate about. I think that's great. I you. I encourage everyone to whittle down the number of things that you care about. Because I think people are mm-hmm. telling us that we have to care about every single thing with all of our gusto, or we're not good people. I think we're getting burnt out on care. I agree. I'm serious. This is like unnatural. The things that are going on in your community, where you're from, that affect your life and the lives of people that are uh, your life and the life of people that lives of people that are around you. Those are the things you have to care and put your energy into. And a lot of people are telling you to care about things so that it distracts you away from the things that you should be caring about. And there's, there, there's a weaponization of care that happens too. Like when you're talking to somebody and you're saying, Hey, black people need this. Black people need that. Black people need this. And then they say to you, well, what about Native Americans and what they've been through? Which is obviously a truthful thing to say. Obviously, Native Americans, um, and indigenous people have been through a tremendous amount of pain and mm-hmm. turmoil, not just here, but almost Everywhere that indigenous people have met with conquerors, right? It's been bad. But there's this thing that sometimes people do to you to say that, hey, if someone has an equal or worse to you, then you should shut the fuck up. And that's a weaponization of care. Well, you can't just care about your stuff. You got to care about everybody's stuff. And I actually yeah. disagree. You know, I, I think that you have to be concerned about everything and be willing to help if you can. We're just in a situation now where the, the the care has got to be focused. Well, I, I get it. There's and there's also just so much going on, so many things to distract you, and so many things, not just causes, but just things, just so many things that are around. And to I, I get it. I like the focus, and I I am going to accept your challenge, man, and I'm going to find the three things that I want to care about. Three things. Three I'm going to figure it out. things. All right. Uh, the big deal of the day is not the big deal of the day because it is a big deal. It's a big deal of the day because of the conversations that it has inspired. We're about to talk about Jonah Hill and his surf fucking crimes 
when we come back on the other side of this break. Jonah Hill got put on blast by his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady. She is a pro surfer. She's a pro surfer. That's very important to the story. They dated in 2021. She accused him of being emotionally abusive and labeled him a, a misogynistic narcissist. She put a couple of messages up that he had apparently sent her when they were together. And these messages don't look good. Now, I'm sure that people that are listening to us right now have already read these messages. But Rachel, I'm sure, I'm sure that you've, you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, they range from him asking her to remove posts, her telling him that he's, uh, she's used remove posts, him saying it's not good enough. But essentially, these messages come down to Jonah Hill trying to police the way that Sarah Brady looks, uh, the people who she's around, um, and what she posts on social media. He was very, very, very direct about what he felt like was appropriate for her to be showing people, who it was appropriate for her to be hanging around, and what he thought uh, her conduct in their relationship should be. And they rightly kicked Jonah Hill's ass as soon as these texts were made public. Yeah. So it made me think of something that you said, and I'm going to paraphrase. So, you know, jump in where if I get it wrong. But last, I think it was last episode, you talked about how an insecure man knows what to say or do to make a woman feel small when he's feeling a certain way. Is that how you said it? That's how I took it. Um, I mean, yeah, somebody who is... Because we were talking about Kiki's guy. Yeah, someone who is like perpetually insecure and is an expert at minimizing. They know how to use the appropriate language to minimize at the moment they want you to feel small. Yes, and it made me think of that because that's exactly what's happening in this situation. But what's even more interesting is you obviously were attracted to Sarah Brady. That's the name of his ex. You were attracted to her for a reason. There was something that you liked about her. And this is why I always say, I've said before, there's so many men who love the idea of something, but not the reality of it. So when you saw her, you knew she was surfing. You probably saw her pictures on social. You saw her in a bathing suit, whatever type of bathing suit she wore. You thought she was super attractive. You thought that was hot. You love the freedom and the individuality that she had that comes with surfing that, you know, we don't see as many women in this with men. So there's this dominance. There's this girl power. You loved all of that. And in the moment, the reality of being with her exists. You see, now you're in this reality of watching those things and being her boyfriend in it. You want to use that against her. And it is classic narcissism. That's all I can think of. I'm like, this narcissism, I mean, a narcissist knows how to say the right thing to make you question and doubt yourself and believe you are the problem when in actuality they're projecting their own issues on you. They're genius gaslighters and they drive you insane. And that's why I, you don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but there's a, a moment in the um, reunion where Lala's talking to Tom Sandoval, which if you know anything about it, he's the, the, the guy who cheated on his ex-girlfriend now with her best friend. And she says to him, you're a narcissist and you're dangerous. And someone else questions her and says, why are you saying that? That's a bad thing to say. And she goes, no, they're dangerous. And it's this type of language 
And and the things that I just said, the language that Jonah Hill is using, things that I just said, which highlight how dangerous this is, the effect that it has on the person who's receiving this type of toxicity. And I understand, I know there were people who are also critical of Sarah saying, why are you putting this out now? He just had a baby with another woman. Why are you doing this? She's doing it because she's probably healing. And what she went through, she wants to be a message for other women more than it is about making your ex look bad. That's how I feel. Hmm. Um, so a couple of things. Number one, I think everybody falls in love with the idea of someone. I think everyone does. I think everyone sure. falls in love with the idea of someone. Not and, questioning that. And then I think that a relationship only actually becomes a relationship when you start legislating how much you want to change the person. Like when you start. No. Okay. This, I'm, I'm serious about this. Like when you start seeing things that you don't like and you start asking the person to adjust their behavior for your comfortability or for your compatibility is when you understand how functional your relationship is. Like to me, so you fall in love with somebody, everything is great. And when I say change something, I mean maybe little things. Maybe, hey, in my house, I like to keep things clean this way. Could you do this? Or this is how I like the bathroom to be. Or this is kind of my thing or whatever. And then you start having a conversation about which things from your partner are fair to ask them to do and which things you have to get used to. And I think kind of that's, to be honest with you, the mark of a deeper relationship. Because oh, anything sure. Deeper, yes. Yeah, anything else you can like take it or leave it, right? Hey, I go over to her stuff, we hang out, whatever, that's her shit, this is my shit. I leave, I go what what there's no real connection. But the moment that there's a connection, you have to integrate lives. And when you integrate lives, there's a push pull that has to happen, right? I think in a general sense, that's not what was that's not, I guess, what I mean about the re the reality of it in a sense. It's not just the simple of, hey, I can't stand that you're messy and I'm a clean person. Hey, I don't like the way that, I don't know, you, you get up super, you like to sleep with the air on cold and I like it hot. It's not like that. It's more of who the person is to their core as in a beat as, as their being, which I mean about the reality is what I guess I'm saying, which is what's happening in this situation with Sarah and Jonah Hill. Well, I think, well, I mean, I think some of the things that I pointed out can be surface level, but some of them might not be right. You might like the idea that your mate is super friendly and cool with everybody until you're at a place and you feel like you need a little bit more attention. Like, I mean, like that, that happens to me in every relationship. That's happened. That, that happens in every relationship to where like there is a, a situation to where there is a, uh, like there's, a, I didn't know that I did something wrong. I didn't know that this was bad. I didn't know that this was something that, uh, that you, that you didn't like. And then you, did you set a boundary? I think this is different though. I, I, and the, and the, and the reason why I say, the reason why I say I'm an expert at being in a relationship where I, boundaries have been crossed, like an expert. I think this is different though, because I don't think that these are boundaries. I think that these are fixes, They're not. right? I think that, I think that this right here is, um, First of all, when you say that he was attracted to her because of all of that stuff, I don't think that that's who she really is. I don't think that that's like, 
not accepting the reality of her. I mean, you know that that's who she is. I think it's wanting to change her after you've been with her. I think that it's, I think the reality is accepted. You're heart-izing her butt when you see her on the surfboard. You know that that's who she is. I think that it's toxic because you're saying she can't be that person anymore. It, that's what, okay, that's what I mean. That's what I want to say. What I mean when I say the idea and the reality, I, I don't, I mean, the same things that you loved about her, right? And it's bigger than just her looks. It's the whole surfer girl image. The same things that you liked about her. Now you don't like that with her. You want to change that. That's what I mean about the reality of her. Mm-hmm. So you liked it from afar, but now that you're in it, you don't want her to do that anymore. That's what I mean. That idea versus that reality, specifically, right. not the little things. So I always use the example with me about being a lawyer. Oh, you're a lawyer. I love that. You're independent. You have your own, uh, your whatever, your own thing. But then when you get with me, you, you weaponize the independence against me. And it's like, well, which one is it? Well, you like, well, well, I would, I, what I would say to that is they didn't even know you when they were saying that they like that. Like all of that, the, the, to me, the lie comes at the beginning and the truth comes later. So like, sure. So you're, you're, when you're saying you're independent, they don't know how independent. They that's don't what know. dating is. Uh, right. So that's, so what, what I'm saying is, is like that to me is when you get to know the actual reality of the person. But what the person, what you see as from somebody at first is never who they really are. It's always this and this and that. It, you just, you're not, you're not fucking at first. You're not farting at first. You're not doing any of the stuff at, the person who you really get to know, that's how you fall in love. You fall in love with the, who the person actually is. And I don't think that Jonah Hill is in love with himself or he probably doesn't love Correct. himself because he didn't give enough of himself in order to like lift her up and not try to pull her down and like minimize her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes that's, uh, like a um, that's a habit that guys get into sometimes. I think he used very specific language in this, and the language was wife and mother. Mm-hmm. And if you want the family, if you want all of that, uh, then you're gonna have to make some decisions. He said something to that effect, and I think that intimates that there's a sacrifice of who you are if you want to be a wife and mother, and we've discussed that. It's a sacrifice. You have to be different. You a mom. He essentially said you a mom to her or you want to be a mom. Um, And he was being incredibly controlling and to me trying to change her in a way that is unacceptable. We all try to change our partners. I'm sorry. I just don't. I, I, we, anyone who says that they just did not try to change their partner in any way, we all try to change our partners. We do. Yes, things about them, absolutely. But there are things that are acceptable and there are ways that are acceptable of going about it and ways that are unacceptable of, of, of going about it. I think this is clearly toxic and unhealthy and really says some things about Jonah Hill um, that were a little bit surprising. I mean, they shouldn't have been. I, I, they, they shouldn't have been, but they were a little bit surprising. It was a little, Why? A little bit surprising. Why that were they he surprising would, to you? Um... The level of uh, intent, like in reading these messages, like you can see his face. 
you can see him engineering the message. The alchemy of the emotion is all right there. The language is spot on. He's very clear in the messages to leave it up to her to make her own decision as to not um as to not put her in a box where it's looking like he's giving her an ultimatum he's he's using language that is like like softening a little bit hey these are my boundaries this is this is what i yeah. feel comfortable with therapy talk yeah this is what <laughs> i feel comfortable with and this is what i don't feel comfortable with which on its face when you look at that you go oh okay well somebody's saying that they can't handle that you know mm-hmm. uh i one time I went to uh I went to a work party and I brought Kalika to the work party with me. It was a Halloween party. And uh one of my coworkers who was drunk out of her mind gave me a a, a marker and mm-hmm. asked me to sign the top of her breast. Like sign the top of her breast. And I did it. Now it was a okay, Halloween this party. Is, this is easy. And it was a Halloween party and we were laughing and everything like that. And I was like, ah, sign her. She, I mean, it was, she was clothed and it was, and she's like, sign the top of her breast. Everybody was laughing. And Kaliko was, was everybody me. signing the top of her breast? Everybody, I mean, everybody was doing crazy stuff like that. It was like a TMZ Halloween party. Like people were going crazy. You know what I mean? So like it is so, uh, and I did it and she freaked. She freaked out. Rightfully so. Like, rightfully so, she freaked out. And right away, that was kind of a thing. You know what I mean? She was right there. It wasn't anything that, like, I was... And so she, she like, she freaked out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, and that, after a while, that was something that was, like, replayed and brought up. And that was, hey, don't do that. That's too much for me. Blah, 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 blah. But that's, that's fine. You know, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. seen that. This was somebody that I would have never in a million years. It, like, wasn't even... Like, it wasn't even, like, a, a chance. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that was a thing. Um, But for him, it it seemed like he wasn't putting up boundaries around himself. He was putting up boundaries around her. And he was trying to fundamentally change who she is. And I think that's kind of what you were saying earlier. Like, changing small parts of people or asking them to kind of be different is something. But trying to make a fundamental change in who somebody yeah, is. is kind yeah. of and the intention behind it, right? You're asking her to do it because you feel a certain way about yourself. You're projecting that. Rather than saying, hey, when you do this, this is how it makes me feel. He was dictating to her exactly how her behavior should be to to comfort his own insecurities or feelings. And that's the problem. And I love what you said about on its face, it doesn't look that bad. But when you really think about it and read what he is saying to her, it's toxic and it happens all the time. I yeah. literally had my ex, not Brandon, said that to me before I went on The Bachelor. What sent say? me a message very much like that. I wish I still had it saved. But the issue in our relationship is that it wasn't going anywhere, right? Five years together, it wasn't going anywhere. There was no like, let's move to the same city. Let's move to the same, like, let's blend our lives. And, 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 also on both parts, right? That's not just him. Me too. I wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. Um, and uh, among other issues. But um, he, when I said I was going, we like had like started our, it up again right before The Bachelor. And then, but also knew it was never going anywhere. When I told him that I was going, he sent me a message like that. Oh, you were never serious about marriage, about kids. Wait a minute. Uh, you were in a relationship with someone and you were going on The Bachelor? No. I said we started talking again. This was like, 
May. I went on The Bachelor in September. So like we had started talking again. I was like, oh, you know, like he really wants to, to start it up. I would not go on the show. That's what I said to myself. So if he if he had given me just a little enough, I never would have gone, would have changed the entire trajectory of my life. Like I felt, so, I was like, so didn't want to start over. I was like, okay, if we make our way back to each other, I'm not going to do the show. But when I realized it wasn't going anywhere, I sent him a message and said, hey, I'm going on this show. I want you to know about this. So you won't be surprised. I'm leaving my phone, blah, blah, blah. And the message was telling me, first it was like, cool, like make sure you don't mention me. Really, all it said, and I was like, man, after five years, that's all you got to say. And then the message was, I thought you wanted to be a wife, a mother. You don't take marriage seriously. It was that kind of talk. But if you st- if you still all that, you never wanted to make that. I guess with I'm me. confused. Anyway. I guess I'm confused. <laughs> were you seeing him, or were you not seeing him when you were when you were going to go on the show? Define seeing. We were just talking. We didn't live in the same place. I hadn't seen him since May. So it wasn't so we were, we were it wasn't it wasn't a big again. enough deal to where you weren't you wouldn't mm-hmm. go on the bachelor. Well, because of our history, if he had said to me, I don't want you to go because I want to be with you, I wouldn't have gone on the show. Um so the with the with the when you look at the message that Jonah sent, mm-hmm. it's like it's about pictures and then it's people keep bringing up the pictures, right? Wait, which pictures? Hers? Her pictures, right? Surfing with men, all of that stuff to model. So look at the things that Jonah said she really did. He didn't want her to do. He didn't want her surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, which in and of itself is kind of like a weird thing because it seems like her definitions of what appropriate friendship with men are and his definitions are two different things which tells me his definition is probably a little draconian. Uh, to post <laughs> pictures of yourself in the bathing suit. To post sexual pictures. Friendships with women who are in unstable places <laughs> and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful. So this so is no what single I, friend, no, no so party look, friend. So I'm saying, I'm saying, and look, I know that there's a knee jerk for fellas, right, who have boundaries placed on them all the time. If I'm being real, I remember the Patrick Dempsey situation. I remember the Patrick Dempsey situation when I was at TMZ. Patrick Dempsey used to race cars too much. He would race cars. Too yeah, much. yeah, 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 yeah. And his wife basically said, "We're gonna get a divorce. You're racing too many cars. Okay, you're racing cars a lot." Every weekend you're gone, you're racing cars, we're a family, you need to be here, and it doesn't matter. I can't have you racing cars all the time. But wasn't it the danger of racing as well? It doesn't matter. It was okay, I thought it does matter if the reason is the danger and we have kids and you're putting your life in danger and you're doing it this often. Okay. But I think if you're leaving that out, it makes a difference. But it doesn't matter though. That part really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dangerous it is. Because it really, really doesn't matter. Because if if he is surfing is dangerous, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That part of it doesn't matter. What like what matters is that she said, "Hey, don't do this," because I want you to be more participatory in the family. I actually think it was maybe less about the danger, and and more about how much how how gone he was. He was gone a lot to race cars. 
And I remember I couldn't understand at that point, uh, just being a little bit younger, I couldn't understand that point, like why she was quote unquote trying to control him. I was like, yo, he is providing for the entire family. He is doing this. Can you let this man race cars? And that's how I felt. But the reality mm-hmm. is when I look at it now, look you, if your partner says, hey, I don't like you racing cars, then you should probably race less cars, right? <laughs> you should probably race less cars. I would say to guys who are knee-jerking, in this situation, this is like a lot different. Man. This is like, this is don't race cars. Don't hang around anybody who races cars. Don't watch car racing. Don't get in a picture with you wearing a car racing uniform and post it on. Fellas, I know that y'all want a knee jerk, but this is OD, man. Like, look, it's like when you look at it, he is, he is essentially saying in this one message that I just read that he doesn't want her to do certain things and the other things she has to qualify to his level of okayness with her. That's it. So, he, so he says, if you're in women who are in unstable places, well, that's a Jonah Hill decision. Exactly. Beyond getting coffee, beyond getting coffee or lunch, the amount of interaction, that's a Jonah Hill decision. Like he's taking all of these aspects of her life and like making them his decision and making them have to fit his temperature check. This is too much. It is controlling. That's the word we have not used yet either. This is a level of control rather than also this just him projecting his own issue, he is trying to control her. And he's doing it in a toxic way by also using what I said as therapy talk. Like, oh, you know, no, I'm just saying this because this is how I feel and it makes me feel a certain way. And, you know, like this isn't good for my mental health. But no, you just also want to control everything about her. Right, which tells me that like a Jonah Hill, a guy that's in that situation, that he wouldn't feel comfortable uh, in a relationship, particularly with this woman, unless he could dictate everything that she was doing. And that's going to fuck her up. It's going to eventually snowball to get way worse than what this is. Um, so she had to make a decision to, I guess, not be with him. I mean, look, and I and also just, she did. I also just read, not read. I also just watched the army hammer documentary, which. Oh, how's that? Uh, that nigga army wild, bro. That nigga army, that nigga army out there, man. Army was fucking up. You know, when you watch it, you see the level, you see how, you see the level of preparation that he put the women through, the grooming that he put the women through, um, in order to control them, to get them and to control them. Uh, and with his situation, there was actually physical stuff that was going on. And there was at least one woman that directly accused him of, of violent sexual assault. Uh, a lot of the other women talk about the fact that they consented. Um, but for this particular woman, uh, at least one of them said that he violently sexually assaulted her without her mm. consent. So, uh, it's different. I will say this though, to the, to the, uh, point about releasing the text messages, she did put out some audio to explain why she did it. Donnie, can you run that audio, please? Part of me, like, waited until after she had given birth. Like, not right after, but, like, a, you know, a little bit after so that 
so that his current fiance and the mother of his child, Olivia, would... I just hope, like, she would receive some of these screenshots somehow through friends. Like, friends of mine that I met through him, that I know are good people, and I know would make an effort to protect her. Like, I didn't want her to have to see all of this while she was pregnant, because I didn't know what kind of stress that would cause on her and her baby, like, physically and everything, and... I'm sure the timing can seem bad, like, oh, yeah, I, like, waited until he had a kid, but, like, I waited until she had her baby, so I knew they were, like, physically not impacted by me sharing this shit, and she could be informed and make an informed decision of how she wants to care for herself and her baby which she birthed and she created yes it's his child but that is that woman's infant that's how i see it Hmm. your thoughts on that i mean you know i kind of alluded to it earlier when i was saying it she did take i i you know she knew jonah had moved on with someone else and that they were having this baby and i i mean i commend her for that it sounds like sounds like she always knew she was going to release these messages and so she timed it in a place where she felt like she didn't want to put stress on her body like she said while she was going through this pregnancy i mean it's still gonna add stress after but her intention was to do this so other women in similar situations could see the danger in this type of behavior and avoid these situations i truly believe that rather than her intention was to make Jonah look like a bad person or to cause a rift in their relationship. But maybe she was saying to this woman, hey, maybe you're going through some of these same things as well. And maybe you see a similar pattern here. And maybe you should reflect on whether or not you want to stay in the situation, especially now that the child is involved. Okay. So here's the thing. A couple of things. I, I, and this is the toxic point. Van being toxic. I, I don't believe that she put the screenshots out because she wanted them to get back to Jonah Hill's like baby's mom so that she could want him. Because do you think she did it for other women who are in similar situations? Um, no, no. She's mad at Jonah Hill. She has every right to be mad at Jonah Hill and she wants to embarrass Jonah Hill. All right. Th- that's that that's why she put them out. Because if she wanted to get to that lady. She said she has, they have mutual friends and stuff. If she wanted to get to that lady, she could probably get to it. And she could probably send the message and she could probably have, and maybe she did. And maybe she tried. And, and, and maybe she, maybe that was her, 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 her deal, right? Maybe she tried. She also says in there that, um, she is hoping that by putting the messages out that she sees them and that it tells her who Jonah Hill really is, right? So she knows who Jonah Hill really is. Jonah Hill treated her poorly and the leverage that she has is to expose how he treated her poorly on a, in, a, in a public way. And I think that as much as, as much as we talk about, um, as much as we talk about his actions and everything, we have to be honest about like why this was done. 
Right. Why wait? What? Why wait? She, they were together in 2021. Mm-hmm. If she's, you think she's still mad at him? Well, okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Wait, number one, if she's waiting right now, and she, if she thinks it's better to, uh, to leave these messages for that woman after she's had the baby, well, then we know, we know that she's wrong, right? We know that that lady's hormones are going crazy right now. She's prone to depression right now. Like she's got a child screaming in the middle of the night right now. She is right now in one of the most hectic times in her life. One of the times in her life where we, we know this, we've just had conversations about this, where she probably needs as much or more care as she needed before. So it's not easier to do it for her right now. It might be easier, like she said, for the baby, but it's definitely not easier for Olivia Miller right now to be dealing with this and be dealing with the newborn. This doesn't have anything to do with her or anything to do with anyone else, this is about Sarah Brady and how she feels about Jonah Hill. And Jonah might deserve it. And he obviously, he does deserve it, but we don't have to act like it's something that it's not. And I will say this, just to, just so that people know exactly where I stand, there is a slippery slope between identifying abusers, identifying people who are sexually harassing you, identifying people who have physically um, or even emotionally harmed you and like exposing shitty boyfriends or shitty partners on a worldwide group thread known as Twitter or Instagram. There is a line and I know it all feels the same. Like when you're talking about Matt Lauer who locks a woman inside of a room or you're talking about Charlie Rose who's showing his dick to the people that he works with, or you're talking about uh, Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby or any of those people. I know that it feels the same, but there is a line between my spouse is a cheater, between my spouse is controlling, my spouse is manipulative, between bad spouses, right? Bad spouses, fucked up people, for sure, and what we've seen over the last four or five years. And it, and, and I, like, I have to honestly say that. And, and, and to be real with you, like, there is a breach of trust in taking somebody's personal messages that they've sent to you, no matter how bad those messages are, and putting them up for the world to see. We talked about a, 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 a interaction that you had on a plane where this one woman thought that this interaction went one way and you thought that it went another way. And she made a TikTok about it and went up there and told everyone how you how she thought you treated her. Uh, yeah, and, it wasn't a thought. I told you what happened. But that's not how she felt. <laughs> that's not how she felt. She wanted to be, she wanted to, a moment. So you don't see what I'm saying? That's how she felt. Well, I I think I, 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 don't, I don't by the way, I'm not saying that Sarah Brady wanted a moment a for herself. I'm not saying that she wanted a moment for herself. I'm saying she wanted a moment for Jonah Hill. I mean, that woman, unless you're saying that, I mean, that's how she felt. And by the way, it's happened to me. It's happened. I I mean, I won't say she wanted a moment. I'm not, I can't compare what the airline situation to what Sarah Brady is saying happened to her. It's not the same. I'm, I'm sure some of her, yes, sure. I would be an idiot to say there's not a piece of her that doesn't want to see 
you know, he's presented one way to the world and she knows him in a different way. So of course you want people to see, there's a part of you that wants people to see that, but does that part outweigh her, the message that she wanted to put out there? I don't believe so. Hmm. That's just, that's just me. But again, we'll never know. We're speculating here. And is that my style? Not my style either to go out and put that kind of information because I do agree with you. Whether that's important to bring up right now or not, there is, that is a violation of privacy to put somebody's personal messages out there. Certainly, the only reason why I would say it's important to bring up is certainly it's important to bring up because, I mean, certain things are more important than violations, right? It's more important to if you feel like you're in a space where holding something is toxic, maybe letting that out is more important than violating somebody's trust. Or maybe that's, yes. maybe, maybe that's it, but it still is what it is. And so the people, I'll, the people that are saying, Hey, this is fucked up that you would put somebody's text messages out there like this in this situation. I mean, they're not wrong, right? No one would appreciate this being done to them if there was an inkling of a, a different side to the story. So do you think it would have been better for her to do a sit-down interview with Rachel Lindsay? Mm-hmm. And where she says, let me tell you about the emotional abuse I suffered from Jonah Hill. She doesn't provide any text messages. She doesn't put any of that out there, but she sits and tells her story. Do you think that's the thing? you think those people would still have an issue? I So this is my thing. I think her story is her story. And whatever... Mm-hmm. Like, and whatever, uh, ads or is a part of her story, if it's a picture, if it's an email, whatever it is, if it's a text message, her story is her story. Like those, that's a conversation she was having. Her story is her story. That's fine, right? Um, interesting that had this been a phone call, she couldn't have even done this, right? I mean, if they're in California. I'm sure there were those too. Right. So, <laughs> this is what a, she had. Right. So, and it's just a difference between like text and phone calls, right? A text is right there. It's a, it's a communication and somebody it's, it's right there. Two people, I guess, I guess, no, it's different because a text, the consent that the other person is, has a record of that is implied, right? So with a, it, with a phone call, you need two party consent in California because they have to know that they're being recorded. recorded. But with the yeah. text, it's implied that you know. they know that they're being recorded because they're sending the text. So there you have that. Look how I just lawyered that up. Legal, eagle, van, legal, bear. <laughs> um, but I'm saying to be honest with you, Really, it doesn't really matter how she she tells the story. It doesn't matter how. There's going to be a little shittiness in it in this situation, considering that this woman just had a baby, considering that these are private text messages. There's going to be a little shittiness in it. But the, prob- the, the question is, does that little bit of untowardness or shittiness, does it measure up against everything that she felt like she had to get off her chest and the answer is right. probably not. But right. we can't, but I, I'm telling people right now, just having a situation to where somebody can just go take private communication and stuff that you never meant for anyone else to see and put it out there so that you can be publicly shamed in a, in a very public way. It's just, that means every conversation you ever have with anyone ever, ever is to be held to public scrutiny. Every Could single be. one. All right. Tough, tough stuff. It is tough. Um, it is. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. All right. Dwight Howard. Did you see this video? Yeah, I did. So Dwight Howard is coaching his son, David. It's an intense 
exercise bike workout session. You know, Dwight Howard, uh, one of the NBA's all-time great centers. And I know people don't like that, but that's a fact. Um, he has a young son, not super young, it's like nine, ten, something like that, with uh, Melissa Rios, who unfortunately passed away in 2020. They were going through an exercise bike routine, and it got kind of intense. Donnie, give me the audio. Come on. I can't. Come on. I, I Come on. Come on. I can't yes, do it. Can. Yes, no, can. I can't. Yes, you can. Uh. Come on. What did you want me to do? Don't worry about that. I want you to do it till I tell you to stop. your thoughts, Rach? Child is going to grow up to hate Dwight and exercising. That's exactly what's going to happen there. <laughs> Calling it now. Listen, I grew up in a house with tough love. I grew up in a house where things were, certain things were expected of me. I grew up in a strict environment. I grew up with the mentality of, well, you're a Lindsay. That's what you're supposed to do when it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, I made an A. Well, you're listening. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else. I know what what tough love is. I I grew up in sports. You know, my I I, I ran track. I run it in the, the heat in the summer in Texas. Six to eight track practice. My parents loved it. I I actually loved it. I got burnt out, which is my point with um the son here. What could also happen with him? Um, my dad would stand at the three hundred mark screaming and yelling for me to kick it when you when you when you're about to break when you're running that 400 and you got to give it all you got like I I had that parent who was you know very in, encouraging and on me in sports and on me in academics but this there's a level that goes too far the child is screaming crying and it will first let me back this up I don't understand the purpose of recording this and I don't understand of putting this out there publicly because that child is old enough to where he's got friends and he himself can see this. So you're putting this out there, which almost is a little bit of public shaming him while he's pleading and begging for you to stop. And you got a camera in his face recording all of this. I just think that this crosses a line. I am about being tough, but not to this level because I don't understand what the purpose of this was, what you were trying to get from him to go this far in such a public way. And it just adds one thing to the list why people can't stand Dwight Howard. People can't could, stand him. People can't stand they can't stand him. Dwight Howard because he acts crazy. <laughs> I could not disagree more. Like, I, it, it, what is the purpose of having a father if not for this? Nah. Oh my gosh, a father can provide so many more things to you than, than doing what he's doing in this video. Okay, so a, father many should, more a, a father should provide so many more things, but the basis of it for me, at least for me, is to be pushed past the limits of what I thought that I could do. And, and I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, I was a crier. I was. So was I. When I was, when I was a kid, I was a, I was a crier when I fought. I was a crier when it got, I was a crier. 
bursting with emotion. I was a crying. And I just wasn't allowed. The, the tears were not a signal that it was time to stop. It just wasn't. It was a, a, the tears were a signal that, all right, it's getting hard. Now this is where you push through. As far as why he would put this on the internet, I mean, it's that's a question home. that we, that, that's, that's a question that we could ask about everything. And I, and I don't get it. I don't get why you put you a mom on the internet. I don't know why when you're having these little three dick, three inch dick moments that we all have with our girls, like when we have these little shriveled up dick moments, I don't know why we want to have them on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know why we want to have them in these moments where we're small, where we know we're going to come back and have to rub feet and make food and do all of that stuff. I don't know why we want everybody else to share in the worst moments that we have, but we do. It's part of it now. Maybe he thought, maybe Dwight Howard thought that it was an important message for someone to see a father push their son through the worst parts of an exercise that his son didn't think they yeah. could go through. But I can tell you one thing right, I can tell you one thing right now is like the the kid is saying, I don't want to do it. Dwight Howard isn't physically manipulating the boy. He's not smacking him up. He also isn't questioning the kid's makeup. He's not saying, don't be a girl. He's not saying, don't be a bitch. He's not saying, you a pussy. He's not no, saying he's any not. of that stuff. He's saying, let's go. It's time to activate. When it's hard, when you want to cry and stop, that's what's going to separate you that from the great. next person. Like when that you, no, but he, but, but he, but he's saying, let's go. It's time. Okay. Let's go. This let's is get why it. the video is wrong to be out publicly. He could have said that exact speech that you did, but we don't see that. So we're, we're forced to analyze it from the bits that we see. I agree with you. We, what I would have loved to have seen in that video, one, is the speech you just gave. I'd also want to know, why is that child on an exercise bike? Did he say, that child could have said, Dad, I want to ride five miles on this bike. And he, he could have said, okay, I'm going to hold you to it no matter what. Let's go. Didn't give that context. So what it looks like, which is why I think some people have the opinion that I have, is that you're forcing him to be an athlete that he doesn't want to be. Yeah, but, that's, that's, but, that, but that's jumping to but, such a conclusion. Like, well, I have he, no choice. I only his, his see, dad is, I only like, see his the dad, video. You do have a choice. Like his dad is in the NBA. Like it's, it's like, you know, that, that, that's jumping but that to child such might a not, conclusion. What if the child is into the arts? Doesn't even, that's what I'm saying. We don't know. If he said, this is what I want to be. And Dwight said, okay, this is what it's going to take to get there. Then, okay. I understand some of like the harshness of it, but that we don't have any type of context. Okay, he just so, puts this out here for all of us to talk. Okay, so this is what the entire because the, there there's this video and then there's four or five slides, right? And wait, then the wait, other real slides quick. did the slides come at the same time the video came out or after the public backlash? No, they, they, this is five days ago. He like the slides, the slides came. This the video and there's four or five slides, right? So in these okay. video is the, the White Howard and all of his kids. They are boxing, and this there's another one with this little boy. They're boxing, and this little boy is getting a little emotional. Like his son is getting a little emotional. They're boxing, they're running. They're he said he, him and his kids go to the gym at seven a.m. in the morning. They're doing yoga as as a family. Uh, he's got a guy in there that he's brought in him, I guess, to teach him how to do. This looks like MMA or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The kid is getting into it. He says, "Me and my kids walk into the gym seven a.m. every morning." There's a little boy popping his gloves, and this this is the. This is the, the, the caption. In the process of being great, 
is going to be laughs, frowns, smiles, tears, blood, and sweat. But that's what is needed for us to succeed as individuals and also collectively as a family. I'm just teaching my kids what it means to be resilient, to be determined, and to have discipline. Every day is a battle, and some battles are going to be harder to win than others. But we have to fight. We have to fight them until we win. And if we win, the day every day will never lose in the end. We have to finish every mission we begin and follow through. That's the most important part. Never say you can't. And then he quotes the Bible. You can and you will no. just follow through. That's how, that's how you, that's <laughs> yes. how you be great. Go ahead. So, go I, ahead. so, and so, wrap and, it up. Put a bow on it with the Bible verse. And so to me, this is not the only clip that he, that he posted. It's the clip of his son. And by the way, he's encouraging his son. He's rubbing his chest as his son wants to give up. He's looking at the thing. I just don't understand how this is bad. He's encouraging his son. Would it, would your opinion change if they didn't want to do that? Would your opinion change? Because I think this is where we might differ. If those kids have no desire to, to work out, would your mind change? Because he's like, we get up at seven in the morning. Do that. I already know they don't want to get up at seven in the morning. So I'm not even going to pose that question. That's different. <laughs> would it change? You don't, would you, would it ch- you don't know what's going on. These are no kids, the kids, kids, maybe one of them. All them kids don't want to get up at seven in the morning. They don't. Hey, can I be honest with you? But Me and my dad used to get up. That's at you. S- how, well, how do you know that they don't want to do it then? Me and my dad used to get up at 6 a.m. At Actually, bullshit. We used to get up at 5 a.m. To be on the deer stand at six, and if and he you went wanted hunt- to do that, what? And if he went hunting without me, I would cry. Like, if, and sometimes let me tell you what let me tell you what happened. Sometimes he would try to wake me up, and I wouldn't get up, and then he would leave the room, and I thought I was actually stealing a little bit more sleep. But then I would hear I would hear the truck turn on, and he would leave, and I would be like, "Oh my god." And I would be so upset. But he was like, when I come in there and I say, it's get up, get up and it's time to go hunting. Get up and it's time to go hunting. So that's my point. You wanted to hunt. Would it change your mind if these kids don't want to do that? Certainly. But I think it's an unfair assumption to make that they don't. Like, I'm just assuming I'm, that they don't. We don't. And I, I literally have prefaced everything by said that he showed us a clip, some clip. There's no con. There's no my kids desire. My kids said when he grows up, he wants to be this. My kid wants to be this. He didn't give us any of that. So I'm going to assume because you've given us no choice. You put it out here for public consumption of what it is. And I'm just saying, if that child doesn't want to do that, then I got a problem with the video. I got a problem that you're forcing them to get up at seven to do all of this. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Blue Ivy came out and danced at Beyonce's concert. Mm-hmm. Did you have a problem with that? She wanted to. How do you know? I was talking to some hivers, and they were talking about there were other clips of her standing on the side, like like doing the dances and like wanting to do the. That don't mean she want to be on the stage. Like well, listen, she doesn't. She doesn't have to. That was the same thing. <laughs> that wouldn't change. What I'm my saying opinion. is, there's no I reason thought, to. I was, I was of the opinion that she wanted to do it. So I'm sure she my does. opinion would not change if I'm, she I'm, didn't want to. I'm, I'm saying, but this, if, so she, I'm, if she if she wanted to, and Beyonce is on her, and she's like, "This is how many hours we practice, and this is what you want to do. You want to be a dancer. This is what it takes." I'm for that. Right. So this My is this only- is this is what I'll agree to. There is a certain degree of look what a 
look, oh, look at my son. I'm putting him through the ringer. Machismo bullshit that goes on with that. There is. Yes, there is a there certain is. That, look, my boy's about to break, but I'm showing him, right? Um, mm-hmm. However, I, I can't say that I see anything wrong with the video. It doesn't look okay. abusive. It looks like a father. It looks like a son who wants to stop and a father who wants to show his son that sometimes you got to dig down and pick. And by the way, we're saying father, son, but it wouldn't matter if it was his daughter, if it was it. Sure. Like, push. Sometimes you got to push through. And at the end, this his son, with tears in his eyes, he finishes. So I don't... I, <laughs> Do you, you think that people finish. would have had a different reaction if it was a different athlete than Dwight Howard? And that's the part of it that bothers me. If this people, was LeBron, I would not, his father of the year. Don't like, y'all, if y'all don't follow <laughs> sports, you just have to know the level of distaste that people have for Dwight Howard in the sports industry. NBA players, analysts, right. commentators, fans. He is universally disliked. He really is. And so it, it's a, you have to know that coming into this conversation too for our listeners who don't know that about him. There's a guy right now, you ever seen a baby Gronk kid? The kid, he's baby Gronk and he's around. No. Have you seen him? Donnie, have you seen baby Gronk? I have, yeah. And I've seen his dad on a podcast so interview and yeah, it was weird. So with the baby Gronk situation, his dad is kind of a nobody. Obviously, it's a situation to where the father's living vicariously through the son, feeding him lines to say and all of that stuff. It's whatever. In this situation, I just know I see it differently. I get I get it because it does look crazy and it's not something I would have posted. But I look at that and I think, sometimes you got to teach these motherfuckers. You got to teach these little motherfuckers. You got to get through it, man. And you, you know what? Just... Aunt Big Rach will rescue the kids. Y'all want come? Y'all want Aunt Big Rach to come save y'all from Van's house? Not me. Y'all want I, some I don't ice do cream? Y'all want to sleep in? I don't do that with my nephews and my nieces. I'm the money giver. And I was like, hey, you want to come over here and chill? But like, if you tell me you want to do something, if you tell me I you want to do something. But I agree with that. I said that's missing from the video. I agree. We can agree on that. Right. This is what it's going to take to get you here. Uh, tough one, Rachel. Oklahoma judge throws out a suit seeking reparations for the Tulsa race massacre. Okay. Leslie Benningfield, Randall Viola Fletcher, and Hughes Van Ellis, who are now over 100 years old. They sued in 2020 with the hope of getting what they call justice in their lifetime for the unthinkable crime that was the Tulsa race massacre in 1921. This is the last effort for them to receive that justice because Judge Caroline Wall dismissed with prejudice the lawsuit that was attempting to force the city and others to make recompense for the destruction of the once thriving Greenwood District of Tulsa. The lawsuit was brought under Oklahoma's public nuisance law. Do you know, are you familiar with the public nuisance law there, Rach? I'm not. So, Did you look up? yeah, I look. so the public nuisance law here, uh, in Oklahoma. Adani.
So the public nuisance law uh, says this. A public nuisance is one which affects at the same time an entire community or neighborhood or any considerable number of persons, although the extent of the annoyance or damage inflicted upon the individuals might be unequal. That is an Oklahoma statute right there. So under this law, uh, they were suing because the city mm-hmm. and insurance companies never compensated victims for their losses. The reason why these victims weren't compensated for their losses at the time that this obvious event happened, everyone can see that they lost a lot of stuff, is because uh, the massacre was classified as a riot. And because mm-hmm. it was classified as a riot, all of the loss of property, housing, hospitals, all of that stuff, no compensation was ever made from the insurance companies because the insurance companies essentially said that these people burned their own shit down. Mm. When we know now that that did not happen. Rachel, right. your thoughts? I mean, what's troubling about this is this judge, Caroline Wall, um, last year said that the case could move forward. Right? This case was first filed in 2020. Of course, you know, the city, I'm, I'm assuming those are the defendants because there's seven different entities that they named um, that uh, were guilty in this, that played a part in the reason that they believe that, um, you know, that were responsible for what was taken from these plaintiffs and what they're entitled to receive. So she, despite the objection, last year in May, I believe, decided that the case could move on and she was not going to dismiss it which was a huge victory for all the advocates that were, you know, saying that this should happen and these reparations should be received by the living victims and their descendants. Well, so for her to come back and now say, no, she's dismissing this case because it would be this this undue burden on, you know, the city and it would levy a tax against the residents who they feel, well, this happened 100 years ago, so they're not responsible for what happened 100 years ago, even if they are descendants of these people. That happened such a long time ago. To take that back is what's so troubling. And to me, it is very obvious what is happening here. Judge Caroline Wall is an elected official. So I I would jump out on a limb and say her constituents do not want her to move forward with this case. I wouldn't be shocked if someone said to her, listen, you better reverse what you did here Otherwise, you won't be sitting on the bench much longer. I'm sure the pressure got to her. Um, so that is another thing. We highlight this multiple times on this podcast. It's, you've got to pay attention who you're putting in these positions. If the right judge had this case, this case could be moving forward to trial. That's not what's happening here. Um, I will say, point out that the uh, rep the spokeswoman for the mayor says that the mayor doesn't want to penalize Tulsa residents by levying a tax, but they are open to a dialogue of what reparations could look like in a different way. So I would say if you're a resident or whatever, maybe you're, maybe that's us on the outside putting public pressure that, okay, well, what does that look like? Because it doesn't mean that the city doesn't have money. So if you're talking about giving them reparations in another form that doesn't look like putting taxes on the residents, then let's explore that and stay on top of that and see what that looks like. What else could yeah. that look like? Did you also know that somebody gave them a million dollars? Gave who a million dollars? Of course, this doesn't go to the defendant. Of course, this doesn't fix the everything that was lost 
over these last hundred years because of what was taken away from Black Wall Street. Um, there was a donor who gave a million dollars to the surviving victims of the Tulsa massacre. And the city's yeah. like, oh, this is a great sign of humanity. But what are y'all going to do then? Um, okay. What are y'all going to do? So uh, Ryan Walters, who is the uh, far-right MAGA dickhead, he is the superintendent of public instruction there. Public forum last Thursday night, he said, uh, let's not tie it, being the, cult, the Tulsa race massacre, to color and say that skin color determined that. Um, he said, I would never tell a kid that because of your race, because of the color of your skin or your gender, or anything like that, that you are less of a person or inherently racist. It doesn't mean you'll judge the actions of individuals or you can. Absolutely, historically, you should. This was right, this was wrong. Okay. Who was appointed by Kevin Stitt, who is the governor there, and this guy's had all kinds of problems. But he's also another elected official. He was elected to that office. Um, and since he's been there, has been trying to shoot down Obviously, anything that be can be considered CRT or any type of uh, investigation to the, the the country's past, uh, they're trying to sanitize American history. Um, and we've talked about that before. That's why these things are so intertwined. Is because the vacuum that they want some of this stuff to exist in that is completely free of any cultural IQ or any um, real historical analysis allows them to be turn around and kill these people again. These three black people said mm -hmm. that they wanted to see justice in their lifetime. Okay. They want to see justice in their lifetime. They just died again. They killed up their community. They're going to kill them by denying them, them justice. And then all three of them are close to go going on to glory. And my question is, like, how many times do black people have to die for America to live? The idea of America that America wants to propagate, push forward this land of extreme meritocracy where everything is equal, nobody has ever suffered, and no one is old, and nothing bad ever happened, right? Well, in order to push that lie forward, there have to be people that have been victims of that that go silent. They have to die a death. And those mm -hmm. people are almost always black. They're almost always black. The people that we're asking to lie for America, keep the secrets, and, and sacrifice themselves for the idea of this imaginary uh, utopia um, that has always sort of uh, been thrust in our face. You know, like when Candace Owens says that Juneteenth is a stupid ghetto holiday, right? We don't really talk too much about what Candace says on this podcast. Uh, try to keep her away from it. But you think about the fact that if any of what these people said was true, then Juneteenth would be the easiest holiday to, holiday to celebrate in American history. Easy. The idea of America is supposed to be we have an idea. The idea might not be perfect, but as we move forward, we perfect it. That's the idea of the Constitution. The framers are supposed to be such genius people because they understood that they didn't know everything. So as America changes or as we realize that there's cracks, well, we can amend our Constitution to make it pliable and malleable 
to whoever might come around and also the right things that we got wrong. But like originalists and people who are dead set in this country being the same way that it was when it first started, just won't allow that to happen. In this situation with Tulsa, we're talking about a race riot where black people were killed for being successful and we can't even admit to that being the accurate depiction of what happened. I want people to do some research on this, okay? Obviously, everybody knows what happened. June 1st, 1921, May 31st, uh, 1921. A thousand homes burned, businesses looted, 35 city blocks destroyed. Now, 300 dead, thousands left homeless. Well, everybody go look, scholar.harvard.edu.com backslash none publications. Go read the Harvard study on what happened uh, uh, in Tulsa. So you can see the legacy of it, okay? Couple of things here, just so people know. How thriving a community Greenwood was. How thriving a community they were. All right. Right now, currently, a dollar circulates for about 20 days in the Jewish community, 30 days in the Asian community, meaning that dollar that gets spent there circulates around the community for that amount of time. All right. Right now, in Black America, that same dollar circulates for six hours in the Black community before it leaves. Six hours. Six hours in the Black community before it leaves. In Greenwood, in 1921, that dollar circulated for 19 months. 19 months before it exited that community. That was the idea of America that they tell you is supposed to exist. People who, despite everything that's stacked up against them, came together and cohesively, intently, and purposefully devised a thriving community, created a thriving community, School, hospital, bank, shop, grocery store, all together. They didn't like it and they burned it the fuck down because it was too American. And then a yeah. hundred years later, they told them people, fuck you again, nigger. We'll, we'll, we'll watch you die before we even admit that what happened was wrong and that it happened because you were black. $150 million worth of wealth lost. Since Greenwood, black housing gone down 4% in Oklahoma. Like all of those things, these things have ripple effects of what a thriving community builds, what happens, how it happens, how it happens across the country, not just there, in Rosewood, in North Carolina, in Atlanta, in Harlem, all over the place. They just straight up took it, took all the land, took all the wealth. Mm -hmm. And then said, you guys aren't doing a good enough job. And once again, now, since we're trying to rewrite the history books, we have to kind of, once again, act like uh, it's the sun isn't shining. We have to act like the sun didn't rise. We have to act like there's no moon in the sky. And, it's, yeah. it's, and the more you know, 
the more you're really, really flabbergasted at it. Like they have some fucking nerve. Um, I know people from Tulsa. J. Ellis, the great brothers from Tulsa. We need to be on their ass about some type of package of recognition and recompense for what happened in Tulsa and everywhere that it happened. I'm serious. Yeah. This is this no. is fucking uh, whatever. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, that's what I agree with you, and that's what I'm saying about holding people to what they say. Okay. Well, if you don't want to put levy attack, but you're interested or you believe that there should be a discussion about some type of financial compensation happening, then let's get creative about what this looks like because that's not the only way to, to give money to the victims and their descendants. But something that I want that I wanted to touch on that you said when you talked about uh, recognizing the, the, the Tulsa massacre, what I see happening is, especially, especially after 2020, you see white people giving themselves a pat on the back for being knowledgeable about a historic event that happened. For saying, hey, Tulsa Massacre, I understand what happened. That was a tragedy, right? Even the mayor there spoke out and said, what happened 100 years ago was a tragedy. And they think that that's enough. And to me, that's where we have to be even louder with, where you have to start bringing attention to, because it's not just recognizing what happened, okay? For years, they didn't even recognize it, right? Never, excuse me, recognize it. Now they are doing that and they feel like that's enough because it's so much more than what they did before. What they're not recognizing is what happened over the last hundred years and how detrimental that was to the black community in Tulsa. Those 10,000 plus people that were dispersed from Tulsa and had to go somewhere else. So then they took that trauma and took it somewhere else because of what they had Black Wall Street there and had to be this this place to go somewhere else and all the other places that you named. We've seen this happen time and time again in the black community. It's about recognizing what happened from then to now and how that's been detrimental to the black community and not just recognizing the historical event for what it was. You have to recognize the effect. That's what they're not doing. I was wrong, by the way. It went down 4% initially. That was by 1930. If you look at it by the year 2000, you've seen an almost 25% dip in black home ownership. These people fucking crazy. Y'all keep playing with these people. I'm serious, man. These people, these people are crazy, man. Keep fucking playing with these people. I'm serious, man. I'm talking all of this shit. Keep playing with these people. These people don't give a f- All right. It's time for Van Lathan, Animal Agent. I have to talk to this guy. Man sentenced for shooting black bear in National Park doing the being scared. Serge Painchild has been fined 7,500 Canadian, 5,600 American. Violation of the Canada National Parks Act. He went hiking, saw a bear 100 feet away across the creek, and he shot the bear. Fired a warning shot into the air. The bear took a few steps in his direction and he shot and injured the bear. The bear rolled down the creek bank and fled to the forest. Barely died. He said, that would apply to pretty much every single person in your situation. We're all afraid of bears. I'll tell you something right now. You should be a fucking shame of yourself. Just shame of yourself. The bear wasn't charging you, showing teeth, being a bear. 
you know what? Stay the fuck out of the bear's house. You know, you know, this is what I'm, you know, don't go, don't go to where the bear lives. Stay out of where the bear lives. Don't go fucking around in, in with the animals. The animals can't even come outside anymore. Don't even, don't go fucking around with the animals. Stay in your crib. If you got to kill a bear just for breathing, if you got to kill a bear just for breathing, don't leave, leave, don't stay out. Go to fucking Disneyland. This is the same thing that they treat us the way they treat these bears. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was coming. It's, I'm I serious. It's they the treat us the way they treat these I knew, bears. It's a black bear. I knew you were going to say that. And I know this might shock you, but I agree with you. What? I agree with you. I agree I, I was, with I everything that, that you would said. say death to bears. I know you would. But the fact that this bear, bear was about 100 feet away across a pond, you wanted to kill that bear. And then you shot a warning shot in the air. It wasn't walking towards you, but coming at you aggressively. It might not have even seen you at that point. You shoot a warning shot into the air, and then he starts takes a couple of steps to you, and you shoot him down. Come on now, no, no, I don't. Yes, I'm with you. I'm on the side of bear. I want I want people to help me out with how because I'm down with the Wolf Conservatory. I'm down with a couple other places. What more I can do to help animals? Because I'm I'm about finished with you humans. Y'all all, like, every time something like the Tulsa thing happens, where I look at these older black people with their pain on their face, just trying to get someone to tell them it was wrong. Just we care. And it, was, it wasn't because they was black. I, I just want to help dogs and bears. You know? Because I don't think oh, I can help bears. people. You know, I don't think I can help people. Fucking. All right. I got to uh, go after this. Okay. Rachel, what's the worst that can happen? I'm about to ask you. What's okay. possibly the worst that can happen here? Harvard, Harvard professor, Abby Loeb. 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 Well, Donnie, what do you think that is? You think that's Loeb or Loeb? I think it's Loeb. It's Loeb. Yeah. Abby? Like it's Lisa Abby. Loeb. Abby Loeb. Okay, Lisa Loeb. Oh, I like that. And you say, <laughs> I only hear what I want to. Don't pay attention to the things you're looking at. Yeah, I love that shit. That shit was my shit. That just made me happy. I was down. Like, nah, I'm happy. <laughs> Look at the smile. I knew it did. Look at the smile on your face. That was that was a song. You though. say okay. I talk so all the time. So what does talk so all the time? You know what that means? <laughs> no. Go ahead. Wait a minute. I'll to, be low. You say hold on, but you have to say. By the way, it's spelled different. What does talk so all the time mean? <laughs> you say you say I talk so all the time. So. Lisa was the shit back in the day. Okay, oh look. Uh anyway, Harvard professor says that he might found fragments of alien technology from a meteor that landed in the waters of Papua New Guinea in 2014. Love and his team just brought the materials back to Harvard for analysis. US US Space Command confirmed with almost near certainty. 99.999% that the material came from another solar system. We found 10 spherules. These are almost perfect spheres or metallic marbles. When you look at them through a microscope, they look very distinct from the background. Colors of gold, blue, and brown. Some of them resemble a miniature of the Earth. Made of a material that is tougher than all space rock that we've seen before. What? 
Because it was made of materials tougher than even iron meteorites and moving faster than 95% of all stars in the vicinity of the sun, it is suggested that potentially this stuff could be a spacecraft from another civilization or some type of technological gadget. All right? Rach, what's the worst that can happen? Wait a minute. First off, I can't. I feel like we're such an alien AI craze right now that anything abnormal, we're going to relate to aliens. I don't know how we jump from that. I believe, obviously, it, came, it was a meteor. It came from, it didn't come from this world. Doesn't mean it was necessarily an alien. Okay, anyways, that's my thing. And I'm saying this out of fear. Guys, I'm saying this out of fear. Um, but the worst that could happen that that meteor that crashed grew, like it crashed into the ground and then it like permeated throughout the ground wherever it crashed. And the uprising, what came from the ground were the aliens. Now, we don't know what they look like, but they could be in the form of plants. They could be in the form of some type of animal. They could be some particles that are within the earth. And this scientist that brought this back brought them to America and now they're living amongst us. <sighs> Rachel, that's not the worst thing that can happen. That's <laughs> the Sorry, thing. my mind is not as twisted as yours. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's the thing that has happened. That's where we're at. I am certain that the aliens live amongst us. Okay. And the only thing I can say to them is bleak, 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 bleak. <laughs> they might just be like, what's up? <laughs> they they probably like us. They they, 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 they're us. probably down. I'm excited, though, that people are finally ripping. I just saw this video of Larsa. Of course Pippen. you are. You're sick of humans. Before, you, before we leave, <laughs> I have gotten some preliminary word that Larsa Pippen might want to have a word with us here on the podcast. About what? Rachel, what do you think about what? What are you well, talking no, no, no. about? The, let me tell you why I say this. Because she did an interview with Tamron Hall and she was upset at the hard questions that Tamron asked her. So I don't know why she would want to come on this podcast because she didn't seem to want to go back, go back and watch it. She was very critical of that interview and felt like Tamron wasn't supporting her in that interview and did not like the line of questions. So to me, to come on this podcast, even though I'm the one who sees no issues with your relationship, Larsa. So please come on. I think it is extremely appropriate. I'm happy for you. But I just think that maybe she would be a little bit, you know, like nervous about coming on here if she had those issues with Cameron. That's the reason I said that. By the way, I don't think that Larsa Pippen's relationship is inappropriate. What? I think it's fucking weird. Okay. I don't think it, I don't think any of that. I, that's what, and, that's, and by the way, I don't so give on. a fuck. I think it's weird. If it, I think it's, it's ridiculous. fucking weird. I would love for her is. to come on because I am look, so team their, their relationship. Good for, hey, look, Larsa, it's a home game. Come on the podcast. We'll have a conversation. Marcus, you're welcome as well. Everybody come, come on. on the podcast. Come on. But we're not about to act like it's not a little bit peculiar. I never have. I have always had. I've always stood by this opinion and you know it. I have always said, I think people are taking it too far. I do not see the big deal. I've always said that. It's facts. Okay. It's facts. Let's go. Right. Let's go. 
Take big caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Luscious Black Lathan for Donnie Sweet Booty Beecham, Chloe the Alien. I'm signing off. Rach, what you got for me? And for Ashley, no, Ashley, no name Smith until she fills in the blank. And Rachel, Big Rach Lindsay, we're out. Bye, guys.